0: All right, welcome everybody to the Schoolhouse Podcast. It has been about, maybe about two weeks. I believe we are on episode six today. And I have the honor and pleasure of interviewing Oak. But before we get started, I must say the um, the mission of this podcast is to provide a safe place for educators. And so let's go ahead and get into it. How you doing today, Oak?
1: Man, I'm, I'm wonderful right now. i have uh. Got home, decompressed from school, you know how it is, especially this time of year, spring, and everyone is winding down. So it's always good to just take a few hours to let go of the day and relax into the night and get ready for the next day, man. And tomorrow's Friday, you know. Most definitely, Most uh, definitely. For us, us educators and teachers, the only thing to beat Friday morning is Friday evening.
0: <laughs> I hear that, I hear that. Yeah. And- man i was honestly you know i've heard a lot of your content from um the podcast that you do with inky johnson yes. and i was just serendipity was just really with inspired, Inky inspired man go ahead i'm sorry
1: no i was saying serendipity with Inky johnson we just finished the second season the third the third season is coming real soon in the next couple weeks with uh just some same content new content as well, just the uh, same flavor though, you know, just trying to be as organic and authentic as possible.
0: Right, 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 right. right. So tell the people about your credentials, your background, things like that.
1: Um, I'm originally from Woodland, Georgia, small town outside of uh, Columbus, Georgia, between Columbus and Macon. I uh, went to college, Clark Atlanta University, uh, back in Mid-90s, 1994, I went on a football scholarship. Um, I played football, played quarterback at Clark. And then once I got to Clark, I got a math scholarship and and math and uh, and education. I always knew I wanted to be a teacher. I knew I wanted to be a math teacher probably like ever since uh, when I took geometry in 10th grade. And so that part of it, and then the coaching and the mentor aspect of having my basketball coach, my football coach, be very inst- instrumental in my life, along with my family. You know, I have both parents, grew up with both parents, both sets of grandparents, great-grandfather as well. So, you know, I, I grew up in in a village. Um, and then, like I said, I went to Clark Atlanta, met my mentor, Dr. Daniel Black, who's um, uh, he was he is a professional African-American studies. Uh, he is a professor at Clark and at Morehouse. He's written, I think, maybe eight books now. Uh, So I've studied under him in terms of just understanding the experience of young people, understanding the experience of uh, people of African-American descent. And so after graduating college, I ended up on the east side of Atlanta, uh, the middle school, Cohen Middle School, in which uh, my very first class, I had 36 students, uh was teaching algebra and it just so happened that this young fella that now the world knows is inky johnson and corey johnson that you know at the time was in that class and we forged a relationship that uh for the past 22 going on 23 years now and it's just been a mentor mentee relationship throughout his high school college at the university of tennessee and then going on to um Doing what he's doing now, being one of the world-renowned public speakers, uh, motivational speakers. Uh, for myself, I've just made it my life mission to pour into young people. I've had I have three biological sons myself. I've adopted um, three other young people yet, whereas a host of young people who I call my kids, my sons and daughters. In fact, two of my students were in at the hospital when my oldest son was born. That's how intricate the relationship I, I have forged with uh, with the young people that I've talked and now mentored was at the time and still is now. Um, in fact, right now at the school, I'm a assistant principal. At one of my one of my daughters is a math teacher there. Uh, two of my mentees are teachers as well. Um, at just at the school that I'm at, but there are a plethora of students or uh, former students and and mentees and sons and daughters who are just out in this education world who, who took it upon themselves to go and give back just as you know that people had done for me and that you know I, I guess I I've done for them and they they're just paying it forward so hmm. that's that's just the lineage and the process that we're in man. Hmm.
0: and man it was something interesting. One thing interesting that you said is that you had thirty six students. Wow,
1: yeah, yeah,
0: that's a lot of students. In my class.
1: in my homeroom, I never forget it. We were, we were two thousand That was nineteen ninety nine, two thousand mm. school year eight four. That was the section, you know. And those young people, just hold, you know, they're my favorite. They're my first, you mm. know. So they always have that space, special place in my heart. Um, and they've gone on to do a plethora of things, really amazing young people who, in fact, uh, Inky and his wife, Allison, both were in my class.
0: Oh, wow. Yeah. That's so ironic. Wow. Yeah. Wow. And now I know that you mentioned that she said you always, you always wanted to be an educator. So what was that moment for you? Um Where was that point in your life where you said that this is what I'm supposed to be doing? I'm supposed to be educating young
1: people. Uh, um, Well, before I think seventh, eighth grade, ninth grade, I was, I've always been pretty good at math, you know. Um, So I was in the process of thinking about computer science, uh, computer engineering, something along that line. And then, and I took algebra, you know, pre-algebra, algebra, algebra, eighth, ninth grade, then 10th grade, we took geometry and it clicked. It's like, yeah, I, I could, I could see myself doing this like I was learning it and understanding it in such a way that I could teach it to other people. Um, mm. And so that was like the epiphany, you know, at, mm. at 15, sitting in the great Mr. Otis Mathis math class. And it was like, yes, I want to be a math teacher. Wow. wow. And, and like I said, just being an athlete, playing sports, playing football, playing basketball and, and being fortunate enough to be good enough to play. Or receive a football scholarship The coaching aspect was also Intertwined in there as well So I, I knew That education And and pouring into young people Was what I was going to do At an early age mm. Yeah
0: And I know you mentioned You mentioned um, You know teaching math And being excited about About that subject I know when I was in school I I hated math Yeah I hated math. I still do hate math. So those students that I'm pretty sure you have ran across some experiences with different students that that hate math. How how do you, you know, in your in your own way, personally motivate students that are not really feeling math? They just mm-hmm. not there mentally. How do you normally tackle those situations?
1: Um I, I look at it, I, I speak to them um, regular. As I say, just talk to me regularly. I'm going to talk to you regularly. You know, we can talk about um, adding one half plus three fourths. So we can talk about solving the equation, you know, all of these, uh, the math jargon. I try to talk first off like everyday talk. You know, if, if you got five and you know you got to get up to 25, then how much more do you need to get if you got five dollars and you know it costs 25 how much do you need to ask your mom for you know so making it everyday talk making it real life making it like just because we problem solve and we use math all the time Mm -hmm. the difference is the language of math is is not does not lend itself to english right what do you mean by that um like math the vocabulary like we may say um uh, an expression, an algebraic expression, right? Well, what is an algebraic expression? Just talk in a regular, everyday term. An algebraic expression is simply, you know, you look at your car or uh, and it says you're going to get 25 miles per gallon. And you have eight gallons in your car, but you have 400 miles to go. So how many gallons do you need to put in your car? And if it's twenty, you get twenty-five miles per gallon, and and it costs three dollars per gallon, right? So how much are you going to spend? How much how how much gas do you need to put in your car, and how much you're going to spend? So now it becomes regular every day, and everybody does that every day. Mm-hmm. They look at their gas hand, and they're like, okay, I know I get to work, I can go back and forth from work four days off of twenty dollars of gas. So you're right. doing it now let me break it down to you in in a mathematical form but i'm going to introduce it to you in just everyday regular talking right every mm-hmm. time you you know the boys like every time you look at a football game you're looking at the patterns what's the pattern either you're gonna gain four yards you're gonna gain five yards you get a penalty minus ten minus five or you get a sack duh, 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 duh. so what's the pattern to get to the goal line and we come up with we can come up with a mathematical or uh, algebraic expression for that so I use everyday terms, everyday life, and then now I've got you got your attention. Now this is how it looks like mathematically. This is what it looks like mathematically. Right. And then secondly, um use a pen. I know it sounds simple, but do math and pen. Because especially when I was coming along, it was uh you can't use pen, you can't do math and pen.
0: Y'all yeah, always heard that. I've never heard people say do math and pen.
1: Right. You 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 got to write in pencil, You know, use pencil because now using using a pen, I'm taking away one of the one of the psychological barriers of mathematics. Right. Don't you write? In, don't you write with ink pen? We do. Right. So you write and doing math with ink pen. You can scratch through it. It's cool. Mm-hmm. And then lastly, it's all about the process. Mm-hmm. In fact, here's the test. Here's the quiz. Right. Here's the quiz. I put the answers on the board. Number one, two, three, if it's 10 questions, 10 problems, I'm going to give you all 10 problems, the answers, all 10 problems. Now, you bridge the gap between the problem on the paper and the answer on the board. Show me how I got there. Mm. And so your process is not just a right or wrong. So now you may get four points, you may get five points, you may get eight points, or you may get all 10 points. Mm. But everyone has an entry point into it as opposed to either you know it or you don't. Right. Because that's what life is. There's an entry point to life. It's not it, it's not just is or it ain't. Hmm. There are degrees to it. So that's how I'm going to introduce math. That's how we're going to work through this thing called this language called mathematics. Right. And, that's and, then, the last, and then the last thing is just you're worth it. You're wonderful. You deserve it. You're brilliant enough. Like I'm going to speak life into you whether you believe it or not. Hmm. Mm -hmm. um like it's just simple stuff like man you know if a student i give a student give a give a student 20 problems right and they get 15 problems wrong so that means what they got five problems right they made a 25 Mm -hmm. well first off i'm not even going to continue to grade it and put a 25 elf on your paper and give it back to you right i'm gonna circle the ones them 15 that's wrong maybe i even get to seven because once i got to seven all right i'm i know now you don't really understand what it is i taught you so that's a meat issue as a teacher so now i'm gonna give you this paper and say all right let's let's do this again right and then the g- lowest grade you can get is 60. why because the highest grade you can get is 100. mathematically speaking the way our grading system is, our A is what? 9,200, so that's your interval for A. Then your interval for L should be 69 to a 60. I give you anything less than a 60, then I need to give you more than hundred just to keep it balanced, because we're balancing equations here.
0: You kind of lost me there.
1: Okay. So to say, to
0: say that again with the grading scale, can you?
1: So, so norm- you know, the, the normal grading scale is a 90 to 100 is A. Right. 80 to 89, that's, you got, you got an interval of 10 points to get a B. Right. 70 to uh, 79 C, uh, 60 to 69 or D, anything less than that. Or in some cases we've removed D's from the grading system. So 60 to 69 is an F. right? So, anything less than a 60. So, really, it's 69. The interval is, using just looking at it, the interval is from a 0 to 69. So, you have an interval of 70 to fail, but only an interval of 10 to get an 8.
0: Wow. never looked at it like that.
1: So, I'm going to make sure that once you get below a 60, then... Uh, a 60 and a 40 and a 20 and a zero. That's the same. That means you don't know what you're doing right now. Yeah. yeah. So I'm not using a grade to punish or shame you because mm-hmm. it's about mastery. It's about the process of becoming a master at this subject, at this content. Mm-hmm. So you're going to get between. So when, the lowest you're going to get is a 60. So when it comes time yeah. to average out these grades, you got two 94s and uh, 85, and then you bombed one and you got a 20. Well, that 20 carries more weight in mm. terms of reducing your score. But the 20 doesn't suggest that overall I gave you four grades, two 94s, right? A 85, and you got a 20. So of those four grades, you passed three of them, and you passed them with a two A's and a B. So if we were to just do the math of that 20, when you factor in that 20, that reduces your grade, which is not an indicator of your mastery of this content. Mm. Right, right. So I'm, not, I'm I'm, doing you a disservice. So now you're like, you like, because you got to remember, you came to me and we started it out. You're like, man, I'm not good at math. Mm. Math is the only subject that people say I'm not good at. A lot of people say that all the time. When the last time you heard somebody say, man, I'm not good at reading? I don't really hear it too often. You're not going to hear it. You're not going to hear it. Like, it's almost a badge of honor to say I'm not good at math. So <laughs> I'm in the process of changing your psychological paradigm, changing your mental paradigm, and your emotional paradigm, the way in which you feel and open yourself up to mathematics and mm-hmm. your belief in yourself and being able to be excellent in mathematics. Mm-hmm.
0: Got you, got you. Yeah. Wow, so, yeah. that's a that's pretty inspiring. So I know that you said, and how long how long have you been in education overall?
1: Uh, since uh, 1999.
0: Since 1999. Okay. And when did you when did you break into leadership in mm, I um,
1: uh, I was a, a, a taught math mainly eighth grade algebra, a um, couple years seventh grade middle school math. Um, I think it was, I know it was, it was 2009. Nope. 2010. Mm. 2010 when the, the Lakers went Kobe's Kobe second stint, his, his second stint of the, his back-to-back championship period with him and Paul Gasol, I remember that's when, uh, that's when I started as a math coach. I became a math coach. And then from there, I became assistant principal and, you know, so forth and so on.
0: Right. And, you know, it's interesting, man. So let's let's talk a little bit about that. So I know you say you were a teacher for a while and then you jump into leadership. How were you able to. Connect, connect with the teachers and still build those relationships, because the thing now um, that i'm seeing a lot of you know over the internet is that administrators don't know what it's like to be teachers yes. or they or they'll say or they'll say um administrators don't really know what teachers go through or they mm-hmm. they've been removed because now they are in leadership and it's a whole different ball game so kind of explain and walk me through that process like what what are some things that you that you when you started in leadership that you um how you were able to build those connections with with the teachers
1: um first to start with you're always dealing with people you're not mm-hmm. dealing with titles so mm-hmm. you you want to get to know people so the same way i got to know my students i had to invest in building a relationship with them, my co-workers my colleagues who happens to be who happen to be teachers and across the board and the other different titles that uh, adults have in in, in, the, in the education institution, so I'm dealing with people, and the same way it's sort of like the podcast. When you saw the podcast and saw Inky and I and you, it was I think I would like to think you saw a genuineness and authentic authenticity between I us. I did, and that that's essentially what it is. So yes, I may not I may be removed from the classroom, but I'm not removed from being. And educate. I'm not removed from having compassion I'm not removed from having empathy I'm not removed from understanding that you have a bad day that life goes on life is happening at your house so you may not get to work on time you may be dealing with you and your husband or you and your wife may not be on good terms and you just want them to leave the house and when they leave the house you just want 15 minutes by yourself at your house yeah just for your own sense of sanity so I'm not about to trip on you for being late for work. Hit me up, okay? We got you. You know what I'm saying? There's a humanity to all of this. Mm-hmm. We're not in the, in the in the thing of in this uh, education for again for titles for money um, for prestige. You any in any profession as long as you keep the humanity in the forefront, then you'll be able to create and build relationships, and I mean meaningful relationships. Like right now, I can pick up the phone and call and connect with several teachers and educators that I've encountered along the way for the past 22 years because we built relationships. Mm. And so once and if administrators are able to keep that in the forefront of, of like, once you become an administrator, you your primary objective is not students anymore, man. Mm. That's not your primary objective, right? That may be the end goal for everyone. That's the end goal for parents. That's the end goal for the governor. That's the end goal for the state superintendent, for the district superintendent, for the teacher. Everybody's end goal is for student success. Yes. But your immediate concern, your immediate attention goes to the people who you directly impact on a day-to-day basis. So I, my direct focus goes to how are my teachers, How are they doing? How are they feeling? What's the mood of them? How can I push them? How can I press them? How can I inspire them? How can I assist? How can I support? Mm. So it it never gets to a place where it's me against them. It never gets to a place where I forget about what it's like in the classroom. Because you know what? I've never taught post-COVID. So I don't even know what it's like to be in the classroom post-COVID. But I do know what it's like to be a Black man who is married and his marriage is on the rocks and he's trying to juggle between his home life and his kids and doing this that and the third and he still has to come to school come to work and do his job i can identify with that yeah so i'm with you bro Mm.
0: Mm. now i think you said something really meaningful man you talked about connecting with them like on a just relationship human level so it's kind of like you take that same perspective as you build these relationships with the students you took that and still did that with teachers and we're not just looking at titles we're just looking at them as human beings
1: right they they feel secure in some things they feel insecure in others about doing their job just like a student feels secure about if they're a great reader but they're they're not as strong in mathematics so there's some places that they're insecure i'm going to support you i'm going to try to understand the best I can in those places where you're insecure and then continue to celebrate you in those places where you are secure. You're Mm -hmm. still a person.
0: Right. And that's crazy. And I don't know, but that actually inspired me because sometimes when I, when I approach somebody or I may just try to have a conversation with somebody at times, I get a little nervous by their titles like if they say they're like i remember one time i went to um i went to this conference and i'm not sure if you met um richard woods or you i'm pretty sure you heard of richard woods before the state superintendent superintendent yes sir and i remember having a conversation with him and i was so nervous and i was only nervous because of it the of his title but once the conversation started going I wasn't nervous anymore cuz I'm like it's just a regular it's just a, it's I mean just a person. He's a human being, you know? Yep. It's like just like me, you know? Yep. So I I like I like what you I like what you mentioned, mentioned right there.
1: And, and I think that the, Go the, ahead. No, go ahead. No, I'm sorry for cutting right. you. Um I think what what keeps us on common ground mm. is your press for self-mastery. Mm-hmm. everyone's have have their own journey their own story their own struggles their own triumphs right and to be the very best version of themselves everyone has that so i don't care if it's the great most wonderful barack obama he's struggling I mm-hmm. you i guarantee out going to you he's struggling in some mm-hmm. area just like i am just like you are right so that what that that that's what that is the thing that, that connects us, that binds us, that struggle, that those places where we feel very secure, where we feel very good about ourselves, where we feel very confident, those Mm -hmm. are just basic common human experiences. Mm. And when we can tap into those and really keep that in the forefront, that's when we are able to be empathetic and that's when we're able to have compassion Mm. and we're able to build, uh, meaningful relationships. Right. So the titles are really a title is used to separate us, to delineate us. Mm. So I'm I'm throwing the titles away all the time. Like somebody, you know, apparently a son all the time. They'll introduce, "Oh, this is Mr. Mm-hmm. Mitchell, our assistant No, I'm just, I'm just a janitor, man. I'm just trying to. I'm doing the same thing the janitors are doing. I'm cleaning up shit. I'm sorry, screw mm-hmm. my language. I'm cleaning up stuff.
0: Yeah.
1: yeah. Whether that's cleaning up the floor or cleaning up this the mess between two students or cleaning up a dispute between two teachers. I'm still, I, I do the same thing that janitor does. Wow.
0: That's a humble way to look at it. If you think about it. Yeah. We're
1: we, we, we doing the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. I we like- have the same function. We are to clean up stuff. we put. In, I'm a, like today, a situation happened. And then it was like, Mr. Mitchell, you, you know, Mr. Mitchell put the fire out. He put the fire out. It was talking to a parent. So, okay. I'm a fireman today. Mm. (laughs) Mm. but i'm for real about that i take that very seriously like my function not my title Mm. it's about your function because you can have a teacher who is very good at at the the x's and o's of teaching the pedagogy of teaching but classroom management may not be their strong point right? right so their function and what they bring to the table is Sending you send a student in there, send a group of students in that teacher's classroom, they're going to learn whatever subject. There's mm. another teacher who may not be as strong in pedagogy, but they're strong in human relations, right? So, you that teacher is going to be able to teach them about how to uh, build relationships and how to deal with one another and how to uh, create connections and create bonds that's going to last, last a lifetime. Mm.
0: So,
1: you you know, you you as a as a, an administrator, you're really in the in the petty waters when you start dealing with the delineation between you being an administration and being a teacher. Like, come on, man. Mm. You miss me with that. You miss me with that.
0: <laughs> right, right. And so I know you mentioned as an administrator, can you can you kind of walk us through some of the things? I know you say you had to put out a fire today and of course you don't have to say any names or anything like that but as an administrator how do you how do you deal with it's a word that i'm looking for it starts with the r i can't think of it right now but basically in a nutshell how do you deal with students who are misbehaving in the classroom like is that is it is the first step suspension or how do you how do you normally deal with students who are you know being disruptive to the classroom and things like that how do you tackle those situations normally? Um,
1: well first off i empower teachers and i let the students know that you got to make it right with your teacher if it's between You come and saying something and the teacher saying something, I'm I'm going with the teacher first. I'm not saying I'm going with the teacher last Mm. and always, but I'm going to take the word of the adult because I understand this adult has your best interest at heart. Then this adult has to prove to me that they are being maybe petty, being emotional, or they're not in a place to to utilize their best judgment. But first and foremost, um, when the student is out of order, I before we even get there, I'm telling the teachers two things. Hey, you have the autonomy because when you bring them to me and say, whatever it is that they've done, I'm gonna ask you, what should the consequence be? Then I'm gonna ask the student, what should the consequence be? Because right now I'm trying to see if both the teacher and the student are going to own what happened own their part in it. Cause it's like today, a situation happened where a student was, uh, very upset used foul language. They were out of, they were just out of pocket, but the teacher wasn't privy to why that student was out of pocket. Didn't get a chance to, all they heard was the commotion and the, and the words. So the student comes to me, tell me the story, I, the story is after I investigate, okay, that's what happened. Now we go back to the teacher, okay, this is what was going on. So the teacher had to come back now and say, okay, no, nah, I don't think they should be suspended. We, we can go another route, right, in terms of consequences, because what it looked like on the surface wasn't actually what it was in terms of what happened, what caused it. What caused the student to be upset? What caused the student to use that type of language? Because you got two different things happening now. The student got to understand how to code switch, how to respond in a very healthy way. And then you got the way Mm and the way in which the student responded, which was out of order. They they broke the they broke the guidelines. They were out of order. Right. You know, rules, regulations. What does the policy say student curse this is what happens to him mm. well i can't go by that because you know it's um i can't me this is just me and my personal constitution i can't go by just what's on what we said was on paper because there's a reason that this student did that and there's something that to be gained for for the student growing getting a level of maturity understanding that it creating and using that moment as a learning experience mm-hmm. as opposed to okay now nah, you just suspended so it's it's a it's a delicate process it's not cut and dry for me mm-hmm. it's every situation yet my main thing is protecting the brand protecting the culture because as i tell them all the time if y'all come in my office and boom 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 two two young cats come in my office and they get in a tussle, boom, 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 boom. And just me and them, too. Nobody hmm. gets hurt. They finish it up. We walk it out. We talk it out. Let's talk to the counselor, whatever, whatever. Y'all end up squashing it. I'm good. Because that's just like what we do on the we've done that on the basketball court. Right. We'll fight somebody cheese. Somebody call a five. Somebody get a hard five. We huff and puff in each other's chest. Does that mean the police need to come and bring take us to jail? <laughs> Exactly, no. We we learn social skills and how to work that out. Right. right now, but you do that in the cafeteria, then there has to be consequences because now you're eroding that the culture of this institution. Right. But it's the very same act. Mm. You got into a tussle. Y'all got into a tussle, but you got into a tussle that is eroding the custom that is eroding eroding this institution, the culture. Of this institution, now that's the reason I'm. You're getting the consequence, not because y'all got into it. Because people get in conflicts all the time, Mm. right? Do it in my in my office, or you do it in a space where the teacher would be like, "Miss Mitchell, you know they got into it. Did anybody see it? No. Okay, then let's work on mending this disagreement. Mending defenses here. The consequences may be, okay, y'all clean the cafeteria or y'all clean up outside together. Or a consequence may be you write a paper. The consequence may be y'all together come up with, um, you know, something y'all do jointly to bring y'all closer together. Now you got an opportunity to see, I, now that lets me know whether you get the lesson or not. Because mm. if y'all can't do that, then y'all haven't squashed it, which means now you become a potential detriment to the culture. Now I may have to say, "All right, mom, that they need to stay at home for a couple days."
0: Right, right, right. Got you, got you. Wow, Now that's a that's a great way to look at it. And I'm, I have a, I have a few more
1: questions for you. On, here, we were we can talk young people, education and process of it until you know, I fall asleep.
0: Oh wow, okay. <laughs> um, what a, so now we mentioned about the students? How do you deal with? aggressive parents like i know you mentioned you say you had situation they come up they come to the school and they like the teacher said x y and z the student said my my child was was in a right this this teacher was in a wrong and i know you mentioned you said you got the teacher back I, mm-hmm. if i'm not mistaken that's like you want to listen to the dog first
1: so you got two adults right
0: right so how you do, do you how do you deal with that
1: everybody got to come to the table and speak their truth right everyone comes to the table so I'm, I'm i'm like you know at first initially um is i receive this to the parent okay i understand your concern and now um if we have time that day or we just set up a meeting where everybody comes to the table and what generally comes out of that is a lot of peace and harmony because mm-hmm. somewhere somebody felt like they were not heard somewhere someone felt like they were not validated between the between the two adults Mm. and we get to the bottom of that as i i like to say we get to the rat killing of that matter because whatever you're mad about on the surface more times than not from my experience that's not what you're mad about Mm. that's that's not what you're disturbed about Mm. it's something else has happened and this is like the final straw or you felt like I've emailed or if I tried to get in contact with this teacher and they haven't gotten back with me. So I don't feel heard. And then now this happens. And then as soon as this happened, now you want to come calling me about my child that or that or, you know, messing up, doing whatever. So they're more upset about the fact that you haven't contacted me or you, I've been trying to contact you and we haven't built a rapport. Mm-hmm. So just like today, another situation because this teacher has a rapport with this, with the parents, he was able to defuse the situation, and I didn't have to be there. Because for me, you know, I'm going to empower my teachers, not my teachers. I'm going to empower the teachers. Nobody mind. I'm going to empower the teachers to make the best decision because they're with the students every day and they have the closest rapport with the parents. So. Yeah. That's why I say I'm just gonna bring them to the table, and generally, more times than not, we're able to work it out just by them having a conversation, mm. meaningful conversations, and not just back and forth from an email. This when you can sit across from someone and look someone in the eye, and really speak your piece and listen to their piece. Pretty much, we can come to a conclusion. We all graduated middle school. We can figure this out, bro. Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's some truth. That's some truth, man. And and no, that's a great that's a great perspective. And I think, and if I'm not mistaken, I definitely have some inspiring teachers who are inspired to be administrators that may be listening to this podcast. What mm-hmm. are some What are some tips that
1: you have for them for people who are inspiring admin? The number one tip is do the job before you get the title. Mm. Do the job before you get the title. You see something wrong, you see a problem, solve it. Mm-hmm. You still may be whatever your title is a teacher, but right. yet you can intervene. You see that there's a discrepancy or there's a heated moment between a, a teacher and another student, you can intervene because those are the real skills, those are the day to day skills that are going to be needed to be an effective administrator. You can go get as many degrees as you want, you can get and get as many much practice as you want. That's cool. But when, when the real bullets are flying, meaning we're in the day-to-day, moment-to-moment, how do you solve problems? How do you interact with folks? How do you get people to come to an even keel so that we can really talk out a situation and get to a solution? Like those are... Are skills that you only learn while you're in the midst of it, mm. and you only get better the more you do it. Like I have been in in situations where there, you know, a teacher will come and they was like, "I really want to get in administration. What do I want to do? What what should I do?" Right. Do the job before you get the title. What you mean? I'm just looking at you. You see a student. You see a group of boys go in the bathroom. Right. Mm. Do you keep walking, or does it? raise your antenna to be like, hey man, what y'all doing? Okay, in fact, two of y'all, three of y'all come out here and stand. You go use the restroom, go back to class. You go use the restroom, go back to class. You use the restroom, go back to class. You use the restroom, go back to class. So what you just prevented probably was them going in and either being on the phone or destroying the bathroom. So now, nobody told you to do that. Right. You you did it because you felt the sense of, of um, being the steward of this place. Yeah, If you don't feel like you're the steward of this place, then you're not ready to be an administrator. Mm. That's essentially what the administrator is. They are a the steward of this institution. Mm. They are the gatekeepers. We are the, the, the ones who uphold the culture. We are the ones who fortify the culture. We're the ones who um, make sure that what is projected out and what's projected in is what we intended for it to be in right. all aspects. So you have to create that mindset. You have to have that perception. You go to work tomorrow. Anybody that's listening, that want to get an administration. When you go to work tomorrow, you go to work as though you are the administrator. You're the administrator of your classroom. You may be the administrator of your grade level. You're the administrator of your domain, whatever that may be. Hmm. So if I am nice with it as a teacher in my domain in the classroom now, before you get the title of being the administrator of a great level, go do it mm. go and, and practice mm. get your feet wet make the mistakes. get the learning experiences. then when the opportunity comes and you get you know someone says okay this is your title you're ready. Mm. it's that the new you, you know it's like I've been doing it. I've been doing this. So it's like when I went from being a math teacher to becoming a math coach. Well, I was coaching my other colleagues who were not math teachers, especially when we were getting ready for the standardized test. I'm coaching them on, okay, this is the material. This is how we want to teach it. This is how you want to lay it out. This is how you want to explain it to them. So I'm doing the job before I got the title. Mm -hmm. Then once I became a math coach, I didn't just, um, coach my, the teachers who were teaching math, I'm coaching all of the teachers mm. of how to um, engage with students and how to get them, you know, how to connect with them, how to get them to to believe in themselves so mm. that they can be the best version of themselves, so they can have confidence and go into this English room, I mean this ELA classroom, or go into this science classroom and be and give their very best effort. It wasn't just about math. So, you just got to be ahead of the curve. Don't let the curve be ahead of you.
0: Mm-hmm. That's real. That's real, man. And this this question just came to my mind, and I want your I want your honest opinion, right? So oh, you you yeah. um you said you coached football before, right? Yes, sir. Okay. Here's a here's a question I've always wanted to ask. So, how do you feel about athletes, right? And it's still related to education. Mm-hmm. How do you feel about athletes? They are gifted, talented at what the, at what at what they do, yes. but they're not doing well in the classroom.
1: Uh-huh.
0: Do you think? And coaches say, "Hey." Like the by, the by rules by standards, they shouldn't be they shouldn't be playing, but yet, you know, in certain cases, you know, I've personally seen athletes still play and they're not doing well academically. What is your what is your perspective and take on that? Like, do you oh, feel like athletes should still? Is it?
1: At, it runs the gamut. It runs say the it gamut. Again. It runs the gamut. What do you mean? My perspective that? runs the gamut because I have the perspective of if you are nice on the piano and you have a recital mm. and you've been, you know, goofing off in class. Do I not let you do? I say, "Nah, you can't go to the recital. You can't perform and, and, and express your talents. Mm. No, you're going to go play and perform and, and give it all on this keyboard, right? Right. Now, on the flip side of that, on the back side of that, there are some some consequences and some some strategies that we're gonna put into place to see, can we help you along in the classroom? Like, so one perspective is that they're mutually exclusive. Mm. They don't go together. Mm. Where they are mutually inclusive is you cannot for very long have a superior work ethic in one place and not have it in the other. So your character is going to show up everywhere you go. So then what that would suggest to me is that our character is out of place a little bit. Mm. I'm going to press the young person on their character. I'm not going to punish them nor punish their teammates. Like if you're the quarterback and you've been goofing off in class, and for whatever reason, and then the game is tomorrow and we practice all week and you've been the quarterback. I'm not going to, this is just, this, you know, this is all, for, this is all personal constitutional makeup. I'm not going to punish the whole team by making you, by not allowing you to play. No, you're going to play. Because that's one thing you put in the work. You can't practice every day. People depending on you go right ahead. Yes. Right. You're going to play. And then there's something else outside of that in terms of dealing with Your lackluster effort in the classroom that we're going to deal with. I'm not Mm -hmm. going to use this over here as a punishment for that over there. Mm -hmm. I'm I'm going to deal with them exclusively. Mm -hmm.
0: That's real. That's real. And man, oh God, man, I appreciate all of your wisdom that you have shared today on the podcast. We we talked about you know different strategies on. How to motivate students, how to get students excited about math and how, you know, aspiring administrators can move up, you know, and already just doing the job, you know, it can be as simple as that. And you gave a great example about the bathroom scenario. I I personally would have never thought of that, you know, so I appreciate you um, sharing your insights. So we're about to wrap things up. I just have one more question for you.
1: Okay. where do you see
0: yourself in the next five years?
1: Uh, consulting with people like yourself and mm-hmm. other schools and taking this experience that I've gathered, taking this gift that I know God has given me in mm-hmm. terms of insight, in terms of having a heart for people mm-hmm. and, and through education, through mathematics, through athletics and, um, imparting that, that wisdom that I continue to, uh, accrue. Over, over the experiences in this time, imparting that in as many places as possible. You know the the defined uh, box we call it a consultant in some mm. type of way. Because like I do it now, I, like I don't coach football anymore. I'm I, I consult. Like I have a, a a group, a team, a school, and it's my partner Brandon Simpson. Shout out to Coach Simpson. Shout out to Coach Printup. Uh, they are coaches at at uh, Crawford Long Middle School, Crawford. and okay. you know, we talk and chop it up about football, of course, but also about how to relate to the young people and getting the boys. and We got we got a couple girls on the team too, getting them to just performing their best, come together as a team, all of that. Like everything that I've gathered from the people and experiences that I've had, just imparting that on into other people. And as wide and as deep as possible. So, in the next, you know, the next thing for me is just con- is to continue and and multiply, giving and um, my thoughts, mm. the, the wisdom that I, I'm acquiring okay. along the way.
0: Yeah. So, like education consulting. So, you're already doing that with the football teams, is like you said as well.
1: Yeah. So. Okay, cool. That one, I think. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm, I'm in the process of having another one, but these are just because of of, of relationships that I have, I've forged with people, and they right. just happen to be head coaches. You nice. know, you know, if you ask them, they're like, "That's my mentor." Or, you know, Mitchell is my mentor. That's that's my big brother, or whatever. And they're in the place of being stewards over a group of men. And but mm-hmm. in terms of us, because it's just like with me, I have. Uh, elders that i i submit to i sit at their feet and go get their counsel like i was saying about dr daniel black you know um vincent huff there there are people that i go and sit at their feet or call and ask Hey man, i got a question or i got a scenario help me out or what you think you know mm-hmm. i call it i call it the, the the old bull big bull little bull in the pasture mm-hmm. and you know you got the old bull who is the elder you got the big bull who's the adult who's running everything that's like your your teachers. And then you got the young boy. That's like your students. And then the old boy, you know, that's your administrator. So at every level, you should find yourself somewhere at every level. Like in some places, I'm an yeah. old boy. Right. In some places, I'm the big boy. Like there are people that I look up to and, and that then there are people and, and in the same breath that look up to me. And then there are other places, I'm the young boy. Like right. I'm looking up to this big bull who is getting their counsel and wisdom from someone else. So mm. you're always in that continuum in that cycle. You're never right. outside of that cycle. And I think if we really can wrap our minds around that, then you will always, uh, I guess, push the culture along yourself mm. and everyone else.
0: Right. Hey, that mentorship is a uh, very, very important. I I I like that method. I like that make, method, but um. Thank you, Oak. I appreciate you, man. We definitely got to do a part two soon, man. Hey, man,
1: I'm here. I'm here. And to the teachers, I would just say this. School is starting up in two months. I know three months or so. I know we don't want to think about it, but we're about (laughs) to go back into into a new school year, and I know we'll be excited and invigorated. I challenge you to do one thing. Just this right here. In the corner of your board, your whiteboard, whatever, if you have Promethean board, in the corner of that board, just put, I love you. Put a little box around it and let that stay up there every day. I love every it. time your students come in, the first thing they see, the last thing they look at is, My teacher loves me. Wow. wow.
0: that's deep. I like that. I like that. But thank you for sharing your wisdom, man. I appreciate you.
1: Man, I appreciate you. Thank you for having me. Remember, uh serendipity with Inky Johnson. We'll be back for the third season. Uh I also give a few uh two to three minute morning motivational uh on my IGs called 6 a.m what's the start time um at wiseau underscore Uncle for news uh and also 6 a.m start time on ig check me out i love to just dialogue and go back and forth pick people's brains get your thoughts get your perspectives it's just again all about pushing the culture along y'all so especially you educators out there salute man.
0: Definitely. I definitely drop your uh, social media uh, panels in my uh, description as well, for sure.
1: Appreciate it.
0: All right, man. Thank you.
1: All right, guys.
0: Peace. Welcome to the School House Podcast Office. Man, it was a pleasure and an honor of interviewing Oak, man. He has tons of experience. In education. And, you know, I know I have a lot of people who are aspiring ads, people who are inspiring to be administrators, people who may have some struggles uh, dealing with parents and students. And my my words of encouragement is just to hang in there. Keep pushing. Keep going. As Oak said, hey, on the board, right, I love you. So when those students come in the classroom, Despite what happens, despite the ups, the downs, the lows, the highs, those students know that you care about them. And if they can feel that love and compassion, they'll be ready to take on the world. Once again, thank you all for listening to my podcast. Also, as well, I did not mention that at the beginning, but I remember if you are a school or some, some, a youth organization that is looking for a speaker to come in to speak to your students in regards to anti-bullying or how to help students manage their emotions, please email me at Purpose, OriginatePurpose.com. Thank you guys for your time. Thank you for listening. And I am out. Peace.